I very much appreciate the invitation uh, by Fidel to join uh, with you guys today and and talk about some things of the kingdom. Uh, I don't take it lightly and uh, I, I humble myself uh, to speak to you that my words would be the words of the Father by the Spirit through me. So um, I have to, some of you don't know me, um, I have to tell you up front that I'm not here representing uh, a church, although I lead a church in the United States. I'm here. I'm not here to speak on behalf of my church or organization. I'm here to speak on behalf of God's kingdom. And I bring to you the words of truth today, not words of man, not words that are popular with men, but words of truth. And what I'm going to be speaking to you today is not my opinion of the Bible. I'm going to teach you the words of the Bible, which are truth. These are the words of God. In the Psalms, it says that the word of God is forever settled in heaven. It's settled. And the and the the uh, where we start to get in trouble is where we try to take the words of truth that have been forever settled in heaven and begin to uh, understand, try to understand them, and teach them and follow them according to an unrenewed mind. Okay, and Paul talks about this renewed mind a lot. And it's all over the New Testament. This renewed mind is a mind set on the Spirit. It is the mind of Christ. And when we are born again, of course, our spirits are cleansed of sin and recreated in the righteousness of God, which is in Christ Jesus. And in that recreation, it says that uh, God's Spirit and our spirit become one. So in this process of... Uh, being reborn of the Spirit, we become one with the Spirit. All right, that is that doesn't have anything to do with your mind. Your mind must be dealt with. It must be conformed. It must be renewed by the truth. And so, when you get your mind renewed to the truth, and not just uh, I'll explain that a little bit here. When you get your mind renewed to the truth, and there is no disagreement between your mind and the Word of God, you will be able to walk just like Jesus. You, that, this, is, this is how Jesus did what He did. Jesus did not have any special powers, gifts, anointings, or abilities that you do not have yourself. If you have been reborn of the Spirit, you have received the Spirit, then you, have, then you are a new creation, man, just like Jesus. He, he himself said, I am the firstborn of many brothers. Some translations say, I'm the firstborn of many, uh, many to come just like me. And it is the, the plan of God, the will of God, the purpose of God from before the foundation of the world that God would have a uh, family or a race of sons in the created realm, not after the image of the first Adam, but after the image of what the Bible calls the last Adam, which is Jesus Christ. He's the firstborn of all creation. He is uh, first and last. He is uh, I am in the flesh. And he became a son that we could become sons uh, because, you know, of this, of this eternal plan, this eternal purpose in Christ, which I've taught about in the past. I almost, I almost brought it out today to teach it, but that's uh, pretty meaty. I, I want to teach about something else here that's a little more kind of something that we can put into practice. But you were not, you were not born of the Spirit just to change your eternal destiny, right? Uh, I don't know how much you've been taught about that, but here in America, um, everybody is taught that 
Christianity is about praying for people to uh, uh, be saved so that they could go to heaven. That's hardly even a theme in the New Testament. What is the theme in the New Testament is God's purpose in Christ that his kingdom would be established in the earth and that we who are in Christ would rule with him in this earth forever. Uh, This earth is in chaos right now. And that is because through the sin of one man, as Romans states, the book of Romans, through the sin of one man, death entered the world. And death is the nature of the devil. And back in the Garden of Eden, when uh, man sinned, man rebelled against God, he handed over the title deed of the earth to the devil. And that uh, at that point, the earth came under the nature of the devil, which is death. And this is the work of Jesus to defeat the works of the devil, to take back the authority uh, and the dominion that was given to Adam, then passed on to the devil, and to take back that dominion uh, as, a, as a man, so that man would rule again in the dominion that God originally gave to him. So... We have an adversary at work who is uh, doing all he can to obscure us from the knowledge of God, to obscure us from the truth, uh, the light of God, the revelation of who we are and God's plan. It's clearly spelt out in Scripture, but you're going to have to uh, have the Holy Spirit to gain understanding, to gain true understanding. And so what I'm going to talk about today is the, the real uh, secrets, the real keys to becoming like Jesus Christ. This is, your, this is uh, one of two uh, things that God has in mind for you. This is His will for you. If, if you were to ask me, what is the will of God for my life? It's very simple. Uh, really, two parts, but really simple. Uh, the first is that you would be... Uh, conformed into his image, that you would be equipped to come into the measure of the stature of his fullness. Religion has got a lot to say about how that's not possible. All right. What voice is that that tries to tell you uh, uh, what's what's not possible? Right. The devil comes to steal uh, revelation. He comes to steal the seed that's been sown and his uh, goal is to obscure the the true knowledge of God and the true knowledge of His plan from your mind. All right. Um, so the will of God for you is to be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ, that you would walk just like He walks, that you would speak with the same authority that He spoke with, and that you would have the same ability to heal the sick, raise the dead. Cast out demons, cleanse the lepers, everything that Jesus did. The Bible says that we were predestined for good works, all right? And Jesus spoke of this. He says, the same works that I do, you will do, and even greater, because I go to the Father. Why did he have to go to the Father for us to do greater works? The reason is that when Jesus went to the Father, uh, he sent the Holy Spirit Back to the earth, which is uh, the Bible refers to the promise of the Father. And he sent that Holy Spirit back to the earth that we could be indwelt by God himself. This is very important because this is the kind of man that Jesus was. What kind of man was Jesus? If he is our example, we have to know what kind of man he was. He was a sinless man indwelt by God's Spirit, okay? He, uh, he, everything he did was in cooperation and controlled by the Spirit. In cooperation with and controlled by the Spirit. In fact, Jesus said, it's not I who does these works. Jesus himself said, I don't do the miracles that you see. Who does the miracles? He said, it's not I who do the works. It's the Spirit of my Father in me. All right? What were Jesus' works? He healed everyone that came to him. He touched caskets and the dead came to life. 
Uh, even Lazarus, who was four days dead in the tomb, came back to life. He walked on water. He walked through walls. He, uh, he multiplied food. In fact, John writes in his gospel that if uh, we had recorded everything that he did and said, the books of this world would not contain or be able to contain those things. He was prolific. He was so prolific, in fact, with his miracles and the authority that he walked in, that tens of thousands of people thronged and followed after him wherever he went. All right? So, if Jesus can do all of those things by the Spirit who dwelt in him, and the Father has sent the Spirit uh, after Jesus ascended from the dead and went in to sit at the right hand of the Father, and the Spirit has now been sent to the earth to dwell in the sons of God, that means that if you have received the Holy Spirit, baptism of the Holy Spirit and fire, as a son of God, that means you have the same authority as Jesus, the same uh, power, the same uh, uh, miraculous ability as Jesus, able to do what he did and walk as he walked. All right? Now, how do we close the gap between where you are and where Jesus is? First of all, you have to understand that there's nothing that he has held back from you. Colossians 2.10 says that you have been made complete in him. That's past tense. You have been made complete, complete in him. Elsewhere, Paul writes, um, if he gives us his son, how much more shall he not give us all things? So, with the Son, Jesus Christ, you have received all things. Peter writes this, You have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Uh, so, take note of the tense of all these verses I'm quoting. Take note of the finality of all these verses I'm quoting. You have been blessed with every, all, some translations say, all spiritual blessings in Christ. And some may argue, well, those are just spiritual blessings, okay? But you, you don't understand the way uh, God works. See, uh, it says that uh, when God spoke creation into existence, it says that the Holy Spirit, uh, one translation says this, that the Spirit of God gave birth to everything that is seen. So, uh, everything originates in the spirit. You know, you go outside and you pick up a handful of dirt. Where did that dirt come from? It originated in the spirit of God and it became manifest through the spoken word of God. All right. Uh, you go out there and maybe you've got a, a, a creek or a river or, or some kind of body of water close by, or you turn on the faucet in your house. Or you go to the well and get some water. Where did that water come from? That water existed in the Spirit and was made manifest through the spoken Word of God. So, this is why Jesus said, Whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Believing causes a transaction uh, to come from the Spirit which is inside of you and become a manifestation uh, in whatever it is that you are doing. With your healing the sick, if somebody needs a new eye, uh, like that testimony Fidel said, how did that happen? That, that eye, by the way, that eye was, his pupil was shaped like this. And he was completely blind in that eye. And he had, he had, uh, he had uh, shot in it. He had... Uh, uh, he said, Fidel mentioned it was a shotgun, a, sh a shotgun has little BBs in it. And those BBs went into his eye and stayed there, okay? So that was a creative miracle. How did God create a new eye whose pupil went like this to round again? How did God create that new eye, okay? I partnered with God and I spoke and I commanded his eye to see. And then the Holy Spirit 
brought my words to pass. That's the same way God created all things. He spoke, and the Spirit of God brought His words to pass. This is what it means to be a son of God. We speak for God, and the Holy Spirit brings it to pass. And it is the will of God that this is the... um, This is the character and the ability that we walk in, right? There is no limitation to you because whatever you say, whatever you desire, whatever you think according uh, to the Word of God, right, that shall come to pass by the power of the Spirit. The transaction uh, with many people fails, though, because uh, of unbelief. And there's really only one uh, reason given or one excuse given for failure in the New Testament. uh, When we have a situation where someone fails to heal the sick, well, the sick person must be in sin, you know, or the sick person must be in unbelief, or the sick person, uh, you know, maybe they have unforgiveness, or uh, maybe God's, it's not God's will to heal that person. All of this trash is straight from the mind of unrenewed, uh, uh, unrenewed minds of men. Okay. These things are not in the Bible. That's stuff that Jesus never talked about, never dealt with. He operated one way. He spoke and it came to pass. He laid hands and it came to pass because there was nothing opposing God's spirit in his mind, Right. He had no opposition to God in his mind. And this is the problem. And this is the problem because unbelief lives in your mind. So when Jesus went up on the Mount of Transfiguration, and uh, he was up there with a couple disciples, and uh, he was transfigured before them, and he talked to Moses and Elisha, I believe it was, and they were having that that huge encounter on top of the mountain. At the same time, at the bottom of the mountain, a man had come to the disciples who were there and said that my boy has a demon which causes him to be thrown into the fire and um, can you help me? And so the disciples tried to drive out the devil and they failed, right? They failed, and so eventually Jesus came back down the mountain and Jesus said, uh, the, and the father of the boy said to Jesus, Jesus, I brought my son here to be helped, but your disciples could not help him. Is there anything that you can do? And Jesus uh, touched the boy and it says that the devil left him and that his wounds were healed. All right. What happens next is very important. So the disciples, it says, in the next uh, couple of verses, the disciples took Jesus aside. and they t- So they took him aside and said, Why were we unable to do it? Now, here's the only reason that Jesus gives for failure. To heal the sick, or really to do anything, any of his works. He said, because of your unbelief. Because of your unbelief. So, you may be a strong believer, but if if you have the presence of unbelief in you, it will stop God's power. The only thing that can stop God's power from flowing from you into someone else is unbelief. What is unbelief? It is things in your mind that oppose the truth. Things in your mind that oppose... Uh, the knowledge of God, and the knowledge of the plan of God. And so, uh, what we have mostly in the, in the church today is things that are taught by men who have made up other reasons for failure. Je- remember, Jesus' only reason for failure is unbelief, because of your unbelief, all right? But we have many other reasons invented by the church today and I don't think I want to go through all those. That's pretty depressing to talk about that stuff. Uh, but uh, if you've been around church at all, you've probably heard reasons why God doesn't heal and all this stupid stuff. The fact is 
that if you do the work to renew your mind and get yourself in agreement with Jesus Christ, that you will do what he did. And he, because how do we know that? He said, the same works, buddy. The same works I do, you will do and greater. So where are the works? Where are the works? There's no excuses left except unbelief. Okay? I'm telling you the word of God. This is the truth, remember? So let's talk about uh, how we get there. Okay? Let's talk about how we come into the, the, the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I'm going to read this, uh, this uh, verse here from Ephesians 4.11 where it just talks about this. This is the job of the uh, apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, and evangelist. Here we go. Ephesians 4.11 through 13. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. This is the will of God for you. That you come unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. This is the word of God. This is the truth. That word perfect man, is in the Greek it's teleos. It means a mature man. It means a man just like Jesus, a mature son. And Jesus is the example of a mature son. What does it mean to be mature? As a son, it doesn't, maturity is not measured in years. That's how we measure it in the earth. That's how we measure it in the natural. Uh, maturity is measured if you have a child and they grow up from a child into an adult. You say they've reached maturity because they've gone from a, a child to a 20-year-old man or woman. Okay, That's not how we measure maturity in the in the kingdom of God. Maturity is not a measure of time. Maturity is a measure of obedience. Maturity is a measure of the ability to do the Bible. Maturity is a measure of the mind of Christ. So if you want to become a mature man, according to the word of God, a a perfect man, into the same abilities, the same measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, you're going to have to get around some people who know how to equip you to become it. Um, Now, we have this word here. It says, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Uh, Other translations, a lot of other translations use this word build. For the building up of the body of Christ. Um... And this word, building up, is seen many times in the New Testament. And I'm going to talk a bit bit about this and then how we start to come into uh, this maturity. So this word, building up, and and it's used in several tenses and and forms, but it's the same word. Uh, It's uh, oikodome in the Greek. Oikodome. Um, And it means to build up, to build upon. To finish the structure. So this is a construction term that Paul's using here and that we see in the New Testament. And when he says build up or being built up or building up, he he has a picture in mind, right? It's to finish a structure, to construct something to completion. And uh, if you have ever built anything or seen construction sites around, seen them put in a foundation, seen them put up walls, seen them put up a roof. The goal is to complete the structure, right? Nobody has any use for a house that has no roof, right? Nobody has any use for a house with no walls. We have to complete a structure that's been started. Now, this structure that we are completing is... The measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. For the building up of the body of Christ. Till we all come to the unity of the faith. And the knowledge 
uh, of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So this process that Paul is speaking of hinges on the word building up or to build or to complete a structure. All right. This is the secret that nobody's talking about. How do you finish the structure of Christ in your life? This is the secret that that not many know. This is the thing that has escaped the modern church. But this is the thing that I'm going to teach you today. I'm going to give you what it means. I'm going to give you the keys here to complete the structure of Christ in your life so that you could walk as Him, talk as Him, walk in His authority, walk in His faith, walk in His miraculous ability so that we could do the job that the kingdom is here to do, which is to uh, bring all things into Christ, to, to cause all things uh, to be summed up in Him. This is the goal. See, in Christ, through the church, God is bringing and restoring all things back to their original intent as they were in the beginning, only under the headship of the Lord Jesus Christ. And He is returning a second time uh, to the earth, and we will reign with Him in the earth forever. So it may come as a shock to you, but nobody's going to st uh, spend eternity in heaven. We're all going to spend our eternity here on the earth, which will be recreated and made new uh, after the return of Jesus Christ. See, we are bringing uh, the nations under, this is our other task, the will, first will of God for you is to come into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ unto a perfect man. The second thing is the Great Commission, which is to cause all nations to become discipled unto Jesus Christ, to welcome righteousness into the earth again until all of his enemies are put under his feet and everyone uh, is built up into this perfect man. All right? That's, what does that look like? Uh, I'll tell you what it looks like. It looks like people's minds, it looks like disciples who walk like Jesus and who uh, are able to evict sickness and disease from cities and nations and the entire planet. To uh, bring everything in, in earth into the order of heaven. This is why Jesus responded to the, to the disciples when they said, uh, teach us how to pray. Jesus said, pray like this. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus is not going to get rid of the earth. He's going to renew it. And he, has, he is in the process of doing that right now. Uh, Paul writes that the uh, order of this present world is already in the process of passing away. And so we are the sons of God in the midst of this who walk in the authority of Jesus Christ, and we are setting up the righteous kingdom of God in the earth until nations are consumed by it, okay? So that's the second will of God for you, the Great Commission. Those two things sum up everything uh, that Jesus is doing uh, as concerning you as a son of God. So let's talk a little bit more about this equipping. Let's talk about uh, what it means to be equipped um, and this is what I'm doing you as I speak. I am equipping you uh, with understanding. And this is the real key that you come into understanding. Understanding has to do with the mind. And why is this important? Again, I've already talked about it here today. But this is so important uh, because uh, to renew the mind, you have to have understanding of the truth. Uh, to be able to read a verse, you know, if you just pick up your Bible here and, and read a verse... That doesn't mean that you have understanding. If you just if you memorize a verse, that doesn't mean that you have understanding either. And uh, in order to uh, have your mind renewed, you have to have the word of truth revealed to you by the Spirit. It has to come into your conscience. Um, you see Paul praying prayers like this, and I'm going to read some stuff here about this. But you see Paul praying prayers like this where he says, "I pray that the um, that you that the that your spirits be enlightened or be illuminated um, with the knowledge of things." Right. So Paul is working to equip saints 
unto maturity through the impartation of understanding. And this is called equipping. To equip or to help someone complete a structure, it means I'm going to impart understanding to you. Let's read a verse. 2 Corinthians 4, 6, and 7. For God, who commanded the light to shine out of darkness, has shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power of God uh, may be of God and not of us. So what's Paul saying here? Being renewed in the knowledge of God in your mind is how the light of God enters into your soul life, enduing you and clothing you with himself. So when we read a verse and we uh, meditate on a verse and uh, we pray in the Spirit while we meditate on a verse, and I'm going to talk about praying in the Spirit here in a second, that is us renewing our mind, that is us gaining understanding, that is us meditating on the Word of God until it explodes within us with understanding, right? And you can't teach something unless you have understanding. That's why we have a bunch of false teachers today in the modern church. They're teaching interpretations. Uh, they're, they're teaching commentaries. They're teaching kind of uh, men's logical reasoning and understanding about the Word of God, but they have very little true understanding, and understanding is only given by the Spirit, all right? Um, let me make this comment about uh, 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 some stuff that Jesus taught here, because it goes uh, right hand in hand with this. <clears throat> Jesus said, if your eye be single... Your whole, this is in Matthew, by the way. I don't have it here. I'm just quoting stuff. Um, Jesus said this in the book of Matthew. Matthew recording Jesus' words. He said, If your eye be single or focused, if your soul life be focused, then your whole body will be filled with light. And if the light that is in you is darkness, or dark, how great is that darkness? Okay? So if your eye be single, your whole body will be filled with light. And when we hear this word light, what are we talking about? What is Jesus talking about when he talks about the word light? He's talking about understanding. He's talking about illumination. He's talking about revelation. Okay? So, if the light that is in you, if the revelation that is in you is dark, or if the understanding that is in you is dark, how great is that darkness? Well, what in the world does this mean? Okay? It's pretty simple. And it's going to tie in with what I'm talking about here today. A lot of, well, let's, let's just take the example of healing because uh, it's such a good example and most people have probably encountered uh, some of these dark things concerning healing. For example, um, in the atonement, two big things happen. The forgiveness of sins by the blood of Jesus and the uh, healing of, that was purchased through the stripes of Jesus. It says um, in the in the account of Isaiah's prophecy of the Messiah that uh, for his uh, that he was bruised for our iniquity, and by his stripes we are healed. Okay, so in the atonement, sins were canceled and healing was purchased. All right, when somebody gets saved or they want to be saved, and you say and they say to you, "How can I be saved?" and you tell them, "Hey, it's great." Believe God. Let's believe God together and let's trust His blood for your salvation. And when they say, yes, Jesus is my master and I will follow Him all the days of my life and I will become His servant and He will become my God, then they are reborn by the Spirit. They get a new nature and sin is canceled. Okay? Nobody ever argues if that's the will of God for them. Right? You know, if somebody says, I want to be saved, you'd be like, well, we'll have to pray about it and see if it's God's will for you to be saved today, to be born again today. Nobody ever does that. Yet that's what we do with healing, because we've been taught a false gospel about healing. We've been given a, a twisted truth about it, because sometimes if you see a circumstance where someone prays for healing and it doesn't happen, 
Then they come up with an excuse or a reason why it, sh why it didn't happen. Maybe it's not God's will. Maybe the person has unforgiveness. Maybe, you know, uh, there's sin in their life. It, all of these things that are not in the Word of God. Okay? So, if a person makes up an excuse for the failure to heal, and they believe it, or if I teach you today that God doesn't want to heal everyone, but He will heal some, you just never know who that is. Right? If I begin to teach you these things which are not in the Word of God, and you accept it as the truth, that is called dark light. Jesus said, if the light that is in you is dark, how great is that darkness? What is he saying? What does Jesus mean by this? Again, we're speaking of being uh, built up into Christ or completing the structure through understanding uh, and having the mind of Christ. What does Jesus mean by this dark light and deception and how great is that darkness? If you accept as truth the deception that God does not want to heal everyone, then that becomes a stronghold in your mind of unbelief because it is against the Word of God. See, you accepted a, uh, a, a thing that was told you as truth, but it was actually a lie or twisted truth, but you accepted it as the truth. So you brought that into your understanding. Now, it's not understanding or revelation given by the Spirit of God, because only the Spirit of God speaks truth, okay? But you accepted um, uh, this understanding, which is men's understanding, as God's revelation. Now, when you do that, you believe it, you accept it, and you put it in your heart, and you begin to live it out. And you begin to pray for people, and you begin to say to them, listen, uh, I'll pray for you. God may not heal you today for whatever reason, okay? Now, if you start doing that, uh, how great if that darkness that is, uh, if the light that is in you is dark, or we could say it like this, if the light that is in you is deception, how great is that deception? Because then you begin to believe a lie in place of the truth, and that causes you to walk in deception, which is not understanding, which will not lead you into the uh, completing of the structure of Christ in your life. Jesus said this to the religious leaders. He said, you have handed down to you, you have had handed down to you uh, traditions of men taught to you by your elders. All right. And these traditions make void the word of God. That word void uh, in, the, in the original language, Greek language, means to remove authority. Okay? Now, if the light that is in you is dark, that light has no authority because indeed it is not light, it is darkness. Deception, has, deception robs you of authority. That's exactly what Jesus was saying. Deception robs you of authority. Okay? How are we going to make sure that the light that is in us is not dark, that the, the truth that we've received is really the truth that leads to uh, the equipping of the body of Christ, of you, until the structure is complete. Again, the structure is Jesus Christ, that word in the Greek, the building up of the body of Christ is to complete the structure, to finish the job. Why? So that you could walk in the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Why are we not walking in the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ? Mostly because some of the light that is in us is actually dark. All right. This is what Paul says in Colossians 3.10. I'm going to have to try to wrap it up here quick. He says, and, and have put on the new man. All right. Well, we got something going here. Paul is going to instruct us how to put on the new man. What is the new man? It is your new nature recreated in the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Paul is talking about you putting on the new man so that you can complete the structure. How are we going to do this? Which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him who created him. Alright? So, putting on Jesus Christ has to do with 
your level of understanding of the truth. Paul said this about, uh, about this. He said, walk in the light as he is in the light. How do we get in the light? How do we walk in the light? We're going to have to put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge, uh, in knowledge after the image of him. Okay? So if we're going to put on the new man, how does that start? Okay? It starts with renewing your mind. It starts with walking in the light. It starts with pulling down traditions and things that you have believed that are not. Uh, in him. So this word put on in the Greek uh, is indio. It means to uh, array or to clothe yourself with or to endue, to put on or to be clothed. Okay? And this word renewed, be renewed in the knowledge, it, it is a, uh, a Greek word that means to renovate. All right, this is another construction term. Paul is all about the building up of, of your life and those who he taught and was discipling until the structure of Christ was completed. And that happens through renovation. Sometimes when you go and, and get a house and it needs to be fixed up and, uh, to get ready to live in or to get ready to sell, you have to renovate it, right? You have to tear down some walls or replace some things or or uh, put you know put in some new windows or doors or or rebuild the roof. There has to be a renovation uh, that happens, and this is how you come into the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. There has to be a renovation in your life, a renovation in your mind, a renovation in your understanding. Um, this is what it says in Ephesians four twenty three and twenty four. Uh, the same comment that Paul's making in, in Colossians 3, I just read on to put on the new man. Uh, this is how he says it in Ephesians 4.23. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man. Well, this is the same, almost identical words that Paul just used. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and put on the new man, which after, which after God is created and righteousness, and true holiness. Paul uses this Greek word for put on later in Ephesians, in Ephesians 6.11, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Listen, what does he mean here? He's talking about, he's still talking about putting on the new man. Here's another place where uh, Paul uses this word to build up, to build upon the foundation to complete the structure of Christ or to come into the measure of the stature of Christ. In Jude 1.20, he says this, But beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Or we could say it like this, But beloved, finish the structure. Build up the structure and complete it uh, by are on your most holy faith by praying in the Holy Ghost. So, let's bring it all together. Let's um, connect all the pieces here, right? If we are going to come into the measure of the stature of Jesus Christ, become a mature or perfect man, as the Bible says, um, come into His likeness, come into His abilities, uh, you know, come into everything that Jesus said, that we would do and greater, here is the process. All right? Assuming you're born again and filled with the Holy Spirit, here's the process. Okay? Number one, you're going to have to begin to enter a lifestyle that, that whose entire purpose is to gain understanding that you could walk in His image. You're going to have to Adopt a brand new lifestyle whose purpose is to gain understanding so that you can walk in His image. I'm going to say it one more time because you've never heard these words before it, it, together. You're going to have to gain a new life so that you can walk in understanding, so that you can gain understanding, 
so that you can walk in his image. All right, how do we gain understanding? Well, here's one key right here. Paul says, by praying in the Holy Ghost. When you pray in the Spirit, when you speak in tongues, uh, Paul says that we are speaking mysteries to God. But he also says that when we pray in the Spirit, we should desire for understanding. <laughs> Man, this stuff's all over the Bible. So when we pray in the Spirit, what is happening? We are, uh, first of all, when you pray in the Spirit, the Bible says it is your spirit praying. All right? Praying things you don't know. Why would we pray things we don't know so that we can know them? Right? See, we have been given the Spirit of God so that we can know what God knows. This is all in 1 Corinthians where Paul talks a bit about this, where he talks about the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. You have been given God's Spirit that knows all things and searches even the deep things of God that you could know the mind of Christ or know what He knows. You cannot come into His likeness. You cannot come into the measure of the stature of His fullness unless you know what he knows, okay? He knows this. That's why he gave you his spirit. That's why it's so important that you have the spirit. This is why the Bible says in a couple places, pray in the spirit all times. Why? Because we begin to come into understanding. We come into revelation knowledge of the word of God. See, this is what the spirit does. Jesus said the spirit's not going to speak of himself. He's going to remind you of everything that I've said. He's going to bring you illumination. He's going to bring you understanding. He's going to bring you into the knowledge of God and His plan. That's language that's all throughout the New Testament. All right. So tongues, let's say this, tongues is the primary method for completing your maturity in Christ. All right. We're talking about, listen, not just random revelation about whatever. Not listening to other spirits. Listening to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is here. This is what Jesus said. To lead you into all truth. How much? All. Part of the truth? No. All. Some truth that God keeps for Himself? No. All truth. See, the mind of Christ is coming into the knowledge of all truth. This is why we don't see people walking like Jesus walked. Because they don't have understanding of all truth. Okay? How do we begin to gain understanding of the Word of God? Of uh, the knowledge of all truth in, according to Jesus Christ, according to the knowledge of God, according to the plan of God? All this stuff that's in the Word of God. Listen, we begin by praying in the Spirit. Now, Paul, which is possibly the greatest example that we have of a disciple who walked like Jesus, one of them for sure, he said this, I pray in tongues more than all of you put together. I pray in tongues more than all of you put together. See, Paul understood these things, and he is passing his ways which are in Christ on to us, the disciples that are reading the Word of God. Why? So that we could be built up. What does that mean? That we could complete the structure of Jesus Christ in our life, in our soul life, in our mind, so that it could be a finished work. Knowing all truth is a finished work. Um, so, uh, what does tongues do? It causes the truth to become understanding which becomes light to you, which becomes light to you. Tongues is the possessing and working in your soul what has been put within your spirit. The Bible says that you have been given the spirit without measure. God never gives his spirit in a measured piece. No one has just a piece or a portion of the spirit. When God gives his spirit, he gives all of his spirit. Why? Because it's the job of the Spirit to lead you into all truth. Why? That you could be filled with the light of the knowledge of the Word, the glory, the, the, the uh, plan of God that's in Christ for you. Alright? 
So tongues is the possessing and working in your soul what has been put within your spirit. Let's talk about, I'm just going to read, I'm going to finish this by reading a few more verses that use this word build up, which means to complete the structure, to complete the work of Christ in your mind, uh, where you have access and you're walking in uh, the mind of Christ with no hindrance in your mind to the power of God. All right, Acts 20, 32. You can write these down and look at them later. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up, to complete the structure. The word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. This is the second way that you begin to come into the knowledge of all truth, that you begin to complete the structure in, of Christ in your life, it is the word of His grace. It is the word of His grace. It is the word of His grace. How do you, uh, how are you changed by the word of His grace? When you begin to understand it. Or when you begin to get around an apostle, or a prophet, or a pastor, or a teacher, or evangelist, who can impart understanding of the word of His grace. Alright? That's called revelatory teaching, revelatory preaching, where the teacher imparts wisdom to the disciple, which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. So before I read the rest of these verses, two things that you can now begin to do to, uh, to get the structure of Christ completed into your life, to come into all knowledge, to come into understanding uh, to come into all these words we can use for that, revelation, uh, uh, Fidel just put the word revelation in there. Uh, how do we do that? Praying in tongues at all times. Extended long periods of praying in the Spirit. How do we pray in the Spirit? Uh, loud, long, and strong. Loud, long, and strong. Okay? You pray in the Spirit because that influence of praying in the Spirit is going to bring you understanding of what? The Word of God. What's the second way? The word of His grace. The taught word of God by an apostle, prophet, pastor, teacher, evangelist who has the ability, who has understanding and can impart understanding as I'm doing to you today. Alright, let's move on. A couple more verses where it talks about completing the structure or using that Greek word that's translated in English, building up or to be built up. 1 Corinthians 3.10 According to the grace of God which is given unto me, as a wise master builder. You see the language here. It's another construction term. Because Paul's getting ready to talk about completing the structure. Being built up in Christ. Or coming into the measure of the stature of his fullness. Right? According to the grace of God which is given to me. As a wise master builder. This is what I'm attempting to be with you today. A wise master builder. I have laid the foundation. And another builds thereon. This word builds is to complete the structure. <clears throat> I have laid the foundation and another builds thereon. What's the purpose of building? To complete the building. To complete the construction. To complete the structure. But let every man take heed how he builds. You got to take heed how you build. You got to make sure this is what uh, the Passion Translation has a verse that's translated like this. He says, Take care that you do not mistake your opinions for revelation light. Take care that you do not mistake your opinions for revelation light. Um, I'm going to jump to the next verse. This is verse 11. For, other, for another foundation can no man lay than is laid. Right? What is the foundation that has been laid in your life? A new creation after the likeness and image of Jesus Christ. Your spirit recreated in His righteousness. Sin canceled, sin forgiven, and being made one with God's spirit. That is the foundation of Jesus Christ in your life. Alright. Uh, it says, for, no, uh, for another foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which, Je which is Jesus Christ. Now, if any man build upon this foundation gold, silver, and precious stones, wood, hay, and stubble. Alright? 
So we've got two kinds of building that can happen here. This is the same thing that Jesus referred to in Matthew when he said, uh, if the light that is in you is dark, how great is that darkness, right? If any man builds upon this foundation, and here it uses the words gold, silver, precious stones, what are those? Those are truth. That is, that is the word of God. That is the, under, the correct understanding as illuminated by the Holy Spirit in your life. That is the impartation of understanding through the Holy Spirit. That is gold, silver, and precious stones. Gold, silver, and precious stones is Christ's uh, structure in your life. It is your mind that comes into the knowledge of truth. It is your whole body being filled with light. All those um, <clears throat> examples. Then it has these things you can build with. Wood, hay, stubble. Wood, hay, and stubble is of the earth. It is things that will not pass the test of fire. They are the opinions of men, the traditions of men. They are things that do not come from the Spirit. The Word of God, I quoted this in the beginning, the Word of God is forever settled in heaven. Wood, hay, and stubble is not settled in heaven. And, it, and at, at the end of, when you come into, <clears throat> there will be a time when <clears throat> you stand before Jesus. He's going to judge the works of your life. It says, every man's work shall be made manifest. Continuing here in 1 Corinthians 3. Every, work, every man's work shall be made manifest, for the day shall declare it. What day is that? That is the day of the return of Jesus Christ. Because it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort it is. So if you've got a part of your building, your construction, if you've got two or three walls built of wood, hay, and stubble, and you've got one wall built with gold, silver, and precious stones... What, the only thing that will remain of your life at that point is what has been built of gold, silver, and precious stones. Everything else will be burned up. All right? And then uh, that will be your reward. Right? If any man's work abide which he has built, he shall receive a reward. That's 1 Corinthians 3.14. So the implications of completing your structure, being built up into Christ, coming to all knowledge unto, unto true understanding, walking in the light as he is in the light. Not only is that going to enable you to do the Bible, to obey the commands of Jesus, to walk as he walked, to do the works that he did and even greater, but it's going to affect your eternal reward after this life. All right? Um, see if there's anything else I want to say here. I got a couple of things written down here. All right, I'm just going to recap the things I said. All right, how do we begin to come into understanding, true understanding, true revelation that completes the structure of Christ in our life through renewing our minds, right? Number one, praying in tongues, praying in the Spirit. How much do we pray in the Spirit? The Bible instructs us praying in the Spirit at all times, okay? You have to, remember, you have to gain uh, you have to you have to uh, gain a new uh, follow a new lifestyle that allows you to gain understanding that you can walk in His image, lifestyle change, heart change that you can gain understanding that you can walk in His image. Okay, how do we get there? Praying in tongues. Why? Because the job of the Holy Spirit is to lead you into all truth or all understanding. What is the other way that we can begin to complete the structure that that is Christ in our minds and in our life. It is to uh, be built through the word of his grace. This is through your own study. This is through your own meditation of the word of God. I often, every time I read the Bible or I listen to the Bible on my, on my phone, I can play the audio Bible. Um, every time I do that, I'm praying in tongues. I go for hours at a time Praying in tongues while listening to the Bible. Why am I doing that? To come into understanding. How did I, how did I learn the things that I'm teaching you today? By praying in the tongues, by praying in tongues and coming into truth through the Word of God. Okay, um, so your own personal meditation, your own study, and uh, through the uh, teaching of uh, apostle, prophet, pastor, or teacher, or evangelist who has the ability to impart understanding through the word of his grace. 
So, to sum it up, uh, the will of God for you is to come into the measure of the stature of His fullness. You have to come into it through the uh, knowledge given by the Spirit that you could gain the understanding of the mind of Christ, that you could walk in the light as He is in the light. Uh, and that right there will cause there to be no hindrance in your mind, no opposition in your mind. This is a mindset on the Spirit, which is life. It helps you overcome a mindset on the flesh, which the Bible says is death. Helps you walk in the Spirit. Helps you uh, be able to, every time you need to heal the sick, to be able to heal the sick. Every time you need to raise the dead, to raise the dead just like Jesus. Every time you need to proclaim the truth of the kingdom of God, your, your words are spirit and life. And that will increase in such a way and measure until all of the church... Uh, is built up like that together. And at that point is when we're going to see the world completely captivated and submitted to Jesus Christ and the kingdom of God takes over dominion and subdues all the works of His dominion. That's glorious. That is the glorious church. That is a church without spot or wrinkle. That is a church, that is a body of Christ that is equal to the head. And that's where this whole thing is going. Those kinds of people are coming. Those kinds of disciples are coming. And there's nothing uh, that, that can stop it. It is going to happen. The only question is, is if you're going to be one of those disciples.